Hello, listeners. I want to share an amazing resource with you. It's called Hello Divorce. Founded by a lawyer and certified family law specialist, Hello Divorce can help you no matter where you are in your divorce process. So whether you're just getting started or if you're near the end but have stalled out and need help to get over the finish line, Hello Divorce can help. They provide full-service divorce support, and they can handle divorces of all kinds, all net worths, and with or without children. It's completely online, convenient, and they offer you support all the way through. Their clients get divorced in one-third the time and at one-tenth the typical cost. So go to hellodivorce.com backslash beyond and receive $100 off the cost of their services. And I want you to know, Erin Levine, who's my friend and the CEO and founder of Hello Divorce, was a guest on episode 197 entitled, Get the FYI on DIY Divorce. So be sure to go check it out. We'll link in the show notes. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and listeners, we have Tracy Conan back with us. You guys remember Tracy. She is one of the leading forensic accountants in the country, and she visited with us last July for a very popular episode called How to Spot the Red Flags of Financial Abuse. That was episode 246. If you haven't listened to that one, go back and listen to it. It's in the show notes. But Tracy's coming back today to talk to us about five sneaky ways your spouse hides money in divorce. So I know you're all ready to get going with this one, but let me first say thank you so much for coming back, Tracy. Hey, thank you for having me back. You know, it's fun to talk about the red flags and how we kind of spot the signs that something is going wrong, but then everyone always wants to know, okay, but what should I be looking for that is going wrong? Like if you want to tell me about where is it most likely that someone is hiding money or what little sneaky techniques do they use? That's what everyone always wants to get to. So I'm glad we're talking about that today. Yeah. And they, and they, sneaky is the right word, right? Because people, when they know they're getting divorced, they get sneaky. A lot of them do, right? Oh, I love to call it divorce financial planning. They are, you know, when, when someone feels like divorce is coming down the road for them, they oftentimes, unfortunately, start thinking about what can I do with and about the money so that I don't have to split something or I don't have to pay support on certain income. They're thinking about all those kinds of things. So I call that divorce financial planning. I also talk about divorce amnesia, where they seem to forget about some money. Oh, I didn't disclose that on my financial disclosure form. Heavens, I forgot. 
Oh my goodness, that very large inheritance I just got. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. F funny how the things can slip your memory at those crucial times when you're under oath and swearing uh, to the veracity of the statements you're putting out there. But I, I love this topic as a divorce attorney for so many years. I've I've seen a lot of sneaky ways that people try to hide money. And one of the things that I also know is that a forensic accountant can almost always find it. Um, you are one of the leading forensic accountants. This is what you do every day. I do want to mention to everyone, because we talked about it in the prior episode, is sometimes a forensic accountant can be pretty expensive and you have actually created a wonderful program for those people who either want to do a dive themselves before they decide whether they want to bring a forensic accountant in or for those who simply just can't afford those services um, it's called the divorce money guide just give us a quick rundown on the divorce money guide and then we'll dive into the sneaky ways the divorce money guide i call it an online handbook and it is, like you said, to give people the opportunity to dig into their own finances as it relates to divorce. So it is a series of videos, PDFs, so you can read, you can watch, worksheets, checklists that walk you through that financial part of your divorce. What's going to happen? What documents do you need to get? Where do you get them? And what do you look for in them to determine what's been going on with your money? It might be you just want to know what have we been spending our money on for the last couple of years? What is our what are our household expenses looking like? It might be that you're concerned that your spouse has been hiding money or engaging in secret spending and you want to look at those statements and figure out what's been going on. I walk you through all of that and it is so so simple, believe it or not. Yeah. I, I, you really have simplified something that I know and having worked with, with forensic accountants and just dealing with this for so long can seem very complicated for people. So I wanted to make sure they know the resources out there because actually pulling together that financial information makes it much easier to spot the five sneaky ways that your spouse might be hiding money, doesn't it? It sure does. If you are willing to take your bank statements and credit card statements and scan through them and just look at each of the line items. You know your family, you know the kinds of things that your family buys and spends money on. Right then and there, you're going to be able to spot some things that might be out of line. One great example I like to use is your spouse isn't into tech things at all and maybe really kind of avoids other than using their phone, they might avoid other forms of tech. If you were to see them spending a thousand or two thousand dollars at the Apple store or at Best Buy or some other electronics realtor, uh, uh, retailer, you would know that that's out of character for your spouse and you'd want to start asking some questions. And so it's really just about digging in and looking line by line and figuring out what doesn't make sense. Yeah, such a good point. I always remember the client who brought in a credit card statement with a bunch of jewelry store expenses highlighted for jewelry she had never received. And so she knew that jewelry was going somewhere. So your point that you know what's normal for your family and spending and what your spouse might be spending money on um, is, a, is a really good tip to start with. But I wanna get to the sneaky stuff because I know you have examples and I know you have some great tips for people of things to be looking at because these are probably the five most common ways, I would say, that people try to hide money during a divorce. Right. There are all sorts of ways, of course, that people can look to hide money. 
But I wanted to pick the five that we see most commonly kind of in your everyday divorce. Certainly there are the really complicated, unusual situations. There are, you know, the people who have a lot of money who are getting divorced, who have lots of different real estate and all that kind of stuff. I didn't want to talk about that. I want to talk about for, for 95% of people going through divorce, what are the kinds of things that they could expect to run into? Right. So, so let's go, let's dive in. What's number one? What's the number one sneaky way that you want to talk about? Only putting part of their paycheck into the joint bank account. And so it might be, you know, their paycheck every couple of weeks is $5,000 and they only put $4,000 into the account, maybe on a repeated basis, maybe on a one-time basis, or they get some overtime or a bonus and that doesn't go into the account or they get some, you know, reimbursement of expenses from their employer. So any kind of employer pay, employer reimbursement that they're not putting into their bank account. Well, that's a good point for a lot of people, because how would a spouse know that or what might they look for to know? You just use the example, which I think is a great one. Somebody regularly earns $5,000 per pay period, but all that's going in on a continuing basis because they've set it up for a dual deposit um, is $4,000 into that joint account. If all they're seeing are $4,000 deposits, how do they know it should have been five? Well, one thing that we see is usually at some point it changes. And so if you would go back and look at history, you probably would see it was always five and then all of a sudden it switched to four. And that would be your signal that something happened. What we talk through in the Divorce Money Guide is doing things like comparing tax documents to what is going into the bank account. And, and, and there's a little calculation you have to do, but it's really not that hard to do. So we can look for that. One of the other things that we look for are missing paychecks, like paychecks that didn't get deposited altogether. So I have people literally just count up the number of paychecks that were deposited over the last year and then find out how often does your spouse get paid? It's usually 24 or 26 times a year, depending on how your employer has it set up. And if you see that there were only 20 paychecks deposited, you know that we've got a problem. That's such a good point with that as well. And I love your point about reimbursements or other payments that an employer might be making. If your spouse is someone who goes out and, and spends money, but then gets reimbursed for meals or car expenses or things like that, those checks very often are um, deposited into a separate bank account or are not accounted for going back into the marital funds. I had a case a few years ago of exactly that. The husband had $150,000 of employer expense reimbursements over a period of about three years that he never deposited into their family's bank account. And it almost got past his wife. And half of that was hers. $75,000 of that in the divorce settlement was hers. So we were really happy to have found that. I'm sure she was very happy to have found that. So that's one sneaky way. What's another sneaky way people try to hide money? Withdrawing cash out of your bank account. In this day and age, I think most of us are stuck on our debit cards and credit cards. And walking around with a pocket full of cash to spend on things isn't typical. So especially if you're one of those families who always uses the debit card or the credit card, and you've got a spouse who is suddenly going to the ATM much more often. Now, I go to the ATM about once every other month just to get a little pocket money because <laughs> you need cash here and there, right? 
But if you've got a spouse who now starts going weekly, multiple times a week to the ATM, that's a huge problem for me because especially when that's a change in behavior, of course, or um, they might actually even be going into the bank branch and doing cash withdrawals in the bank bank branch, a couple thousand dollars, five thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars. I had a case last year. My client was really concerned because her husband was making withdrawals of cash from the bank account. Um, They were often $10,000, $15,000. Occasionally, they were odd dollars and cents, and she was really concerned because he obviously must be hiding money, she said. Well, as it turns out, they were actually renovating a house, and he was making those withdrawals to pay contractors. And so when I was doing my work, I asked the question, what are these withdrawals for? He said they were to pay contractors. I said, please show me the documentation, and he actually had it. So that was one that worked out in my client's favor. It was all, all legit. But Many times in these situations, it's not. I actually appreciate that in that particular case, the husband or the person who um, was being accused of being sneaky actually had the documentation and had a very good reason why they were doing that. Because what you did in that case by being able to solve the issue was actually ramp down the conflict conflict, or bring down what could have been an erosion of trust and something that would really impact their future negotiations because the wife wasn't feeling trusting and that she could, you know, that he was being truthful with her. So that's also a flip side of how helpful it can be to either go through your finances yourself with this fine tooth comb or have someone do it. Well, certainly I'm always talking about fraud because that's what I do. But people forget about the fact that sometimes when we find there is no fraud, it's a okay to me, the numbers are the numbers. I, you know, I don't, I'm not emotionally invested in my cases. I just want to know the truth about the numbers. And if there's documentation to back up what happened and it's all legit, at least we know, right? Can be a peace of mind thing, or it can be something that reveals that $75,000 worth of uh, your, your marital funds has been hidden. Are you new to online dating or considering it for the first time since your separation or divorce? If it feels overwhelming or daunting, you are not alone. Alyssa Deneen was in the same position as you after her divorce and after her own trial and error on the apps, she started Style My Profile to share what really worked with others in the same boat. In fact, Alyssa's episode from last year, Reinvention After Divorce, Make the Rest of Your Life the Best of Your Life, is one of Divorce and Beyond's top 10 episodes of all time. She really knows what she's talking about. Her most popular offering by far is Profile in a Day, which you can find on her website at stylemyprofilenyc.com. With Profile in a Day, Alyssa and her team will revamp your look, write you all new bios that are eye-catching and actually sound like you, and get you high-quality photos in that specific expert-approved dating app style. Her clients say time and time again that their new photos and profile are the reason why they met their new partner. So go to stylemyprofilenyc.com or follow Alyssa on Instagram at at Alyssa Deneen and be sure to let her know that you heard about her on Divorce and Beyond. And now we return to today's show. Okay, so let's, there's two ways. Let's uh, hear number three. Okay, this is a fun one too. 
going to the grocery store or Walmart and checking out and getting cash back or grabbing one of those gift cards that you see near the checkout aisle and throwing that gift card, $50, $100, throwing it onto what you're buying. And then you, you make your purchase and the receipt from the purchase disappears and that gift card or that cash back goes in the person's pocket. And so what people will do is use this as a very methodical way of pulling money out of the marital estate. And so if I can go to the grocery store and Walmart and Target three times a week, and I can siphon off 50, 100, $200 at a time, either through these gift cards or through cash, imagine what can be accumulated over a period of six months or a year or two years. I mean, there are people who will do this for a really lengthy period of time. Yeah, well, and I have to say, I've had clients, uh, usually it's it's someone who's in a stay-at-home situation, um, you called it divorce financial planning, they'll be realizing that they're moving toward divorce and they don't have access to the household finances and they want to build a nest egg or something so they have funds once they decide that divorce is going to happen. So I do want to say that as long as these funds are disclosed... It may not be necessarily that someone's done something wrong in segregating these funds. They're still marital funds when they're held separately. Right. The disclosure is the important thing. Like people ask me, if I'm concerned that divorce is coming, what can I do? And one of the things I say is, can you open a bank account in your name only that you could put some money in so that that money is protected? Because I always get concerned, especially if my client doesn't have a job and an income source of their own, I worry about what might happen when all their money is sitting in a joint account. What if your spouse drains that account and closes it? You got nothing until a judge orders some of that money to be returned to you. So I always say, think about getting an account of your own and taking some of those joint funds and putting in there, but we're not doing it in a secretive way, right? We're going to do it. And then we're going to fully disclose how much, where we put the money, how much we've got there, but you're at least, you've got some money that you can pay your bills while that divorce is ongoing. So important. And you described it beautifully. Um, it is a way for someone to sort of do that divorce financial planning um, in an appropriate way. That does not mean that that money you've put into that separate account is solely your money, but it gives you access to funds, which you might not have had. Right. Because um, I see so much in the cases that I work on of financial abuse, where one party is controlling all of the money and trying to basically force the other one to settle the divorce so that they can have access to money. You know, I, I have a case I'm working on right now where all of the marital funds are under the control of the husband. The court has not forced him to turn any over to the wife. She's been trying to get some of the money. And he said, yeah, I'd be happy to give you an advance on our asset division as long as you sign this paper that releases certain claims that you're making against the marital assets. And she said, absolutely not. I will wait out this divorce. I'm not releasing claims against anything. Yeah, well, and that, uh, unfortunately, that scenario is more common, I think, than some people might imagine. Everyone thinks it will be very easy to go into court and get a judge to free up some of the marital funds that you don't have access to, um, to you. And it's actually not that easy to do. And by the way, it costs money to go into court to get a judge to do that. And if you don't have any access to funds, that can be a real issue. There are creative ways you can start to build that nest egg. But 
Tracy made the excellent point that the secrecy around those funds is what is actually uh, the sneaky uh, part of this. If you're disclosing that you have funds in a segregated account, uh, that that is not necessarily that you've done anything wrong. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Or sneaky. Yeah. So let's uh, move on to sneaky thing number four. Ooh, the secret credit card. I mean, it's it's a perfect way to hide spending, hide money, because it's secret, right? And so what I see happening in a lot of cases is your family has one main credit card, usually in a lot of families, that you use for all the stuff. So you and your spouse both have a card on the account with Citibank, and every month Citibank gets paid. Well, at some point in this, all of a sudden you might see Citibank being paid twice on your bank statement. And you might not think much of it because you know you have a Citibank card, but oftentimes when we see more than one payment to Citibank, it means that there's a second Citibank card. And what the the shady spouse does is they get that secret card at the same company that your main account is at because they know if you saw a payment come through to Citibank, you're probably not going to think twice about it. You know, that is such a good point. I have seen it where there have been bank uh, new credit cards at other financial institutions, which makes them much easier to spot. Mm -hmm. right? If you've got one to Chase and then another payment to Wells Fargo, and you're like, hey, I don't know about a Wells Fargo card, it jumps off the page. But the same institution, yeah, you might not even notice that there are two right. per month. Good point on that one. Um, all right. So number five, drum roll, please. Number five is messing with your paycheck. So what we see is if you work for a company, and it's often a smaller company where you're close with the owners or with management, you have that job withhold some of your pay. Or maybe, you know, maybe they don't pay you for your overtime and they just bank it and, and they're going to pay you after the divorce is over. Or if you earn commissions or bonus, things like that. I have seen people getting divorced make arrangements with their employer to just set that money aside and pay them out after the divorce is over. So that's an interesting one because I have definitely seen that. Um, and you you really see it when your spouse works for a family business. Mm -hmm. Those those I always see say, you know, when someone's income has been pretty steady for a period of time, and then suddenly a divorce is happening and it just takes a nosedive. That usually gives you some warning. But how would you find out that someone had that kind of arrangement with their employer, what would some of the red flags be that you would be looking for? It is really hard to prove. The way we spot it is by the income going down, a year in bonus that is not paid when every single year the spouse gets the bonus. Um, you know, the spouse who gets a raise every year like clockwork and then suddenly gets no raise, something like that. But the truth is, if they are in cahoots with the business owner or with management, it's going to be really, really hard to prove because what we typically do is we have the attorney subpoena the employment records of the person. And the employment records theoretically should show us everything that's been going on with the pay, et cetera. Of course, if the employer is doing something to help 
with the divorce situation, they're not going to turn those documents over with the subpoena. So this is a really tough one to find out. But the reason why I like to talk about it is because I see it happen more often than you would think. And so I want people to be aware that it is a thing. And I want to remind them that judges are not stupid. So if you can show every year for the last five years, he's been getting a year-end bonus and here's the dollar amount it usually is. And suddenly once the divorce got filed, there wasn't a bonus. Judges will be skeptical of that. They will understand. And you have a chance to have something done about it. Right. And such a good point. And that's absolutely how we would go about it in a courtroom. And you're right. Judges, you know, you have to remember those family court judges that are sitting up there on that bench. It's not for most of them, unless you're getting them on on their first day on the bench. They've seen it all. They've seen what people will do to be sneaky. And as Tracy just said, this is not an uncommon thing. I will say I still remember because we would always talk about that when we would bring a case in and we'd say, Your Honor, for the past eight years, we've just shown you that Mr. Green got a bonus of this much every single year. And then in this past year, suddenly as he's getting divorced, it defies credibility that he's no longer getting a bonus this year. And then if you, I don't, it's a long time ago, but do you remember the the real estate crash, the mortgage crisis of yes, 2008, of course, of 2009, right? And I remember the first time we went into court and argue, made that argument and the uh, everybody was like, yeah, but, you know, it, when when things happen, it does happen that things might happen in the business world or in an industry where things dive. But looking at that historical um, sort of pattern of what has happened is by far the most common way that we would go about trying to discover that they've come up yes. with some sort of way of hiding it and bring it to a judge's attention. Well, and let's remember when someone is engaging in this kind of behavior, they typically aren't doing just one shady thing in the divorce. They're not only having the job withhold pay. We have probably found other instances of them being dishonest in the divorce process. And so I tell my clients, I like to do death by a thousand cuts. Let's start lining up every instance of dishonesty in this divorce that we can find, every instance of them hiding some sort of money, not being honest on their financial disclosure, making the so-called mistake when they were doing things. Because what we're doing is painting a picture for the judge. Judge, we can show you 10 different instances in, in this divorce where my spouse was not being honest. This issue with the pay is part of that pattern. That point is something that not everybody understands. In a family law case that's being tried to a judge, the judge decides the facts. And as part of that, the judge will determine what, which witnesses have credibility. And in most divorce cases, the two main witnesses are the two of you. Mm -hmm. And if what you've just shown is, as Tracy just said, is 10 instances where one of you was not telling the truth, and then the judge has to decide as an overall you know, theory of the decision of the case, who was more credible in their testimony, you have just given yourself hopefully a pretty big slam dunk. Well, and this is why I also tell clients, do not illegally put a tracker on your spouse's car. Do not try to break into their phone or their computer. Do not try to use spyware. Don't do anything underhanded. And here's why. We know your spouse is being dishonest. Let's let them be the bad guy. Let's not do anything that could damage your credibility in this case. 
You're so good. It's like you're talking to my clients and having the same conversations. I always said to them, if they have dirty hands, you wanna have equally clean hands. You wanna go into that courtroom and instead of them being able to say, yeah, but she or he did this, you wanna be able to stand there with your head held high, knowing that what you did was follow the rules, follow the law, um, and be able to throw the, the dark light on them for the 10 times they weren't telling the truth. So such a good way to bring that to a close. And those are really five very common sneaky ways that I have seen in so many different cases that people really try to hide money. But the one thing that I will say, just putting aside the one where they collude with their boss um, or something, but most of the time, if you know what you're looking for and you can pull together the right financial paperwork, information, documentation, you can find this. Pa money right. has a paper trail in a lot of cases, right? Well, this is why I'm so passionate about empowering people to go through their finances on their own in their divorce, right? You don't have to pay $10,000, $15,000 to a forensic accountant to get this done. You can do it yourself because all it really takes is knowing what to look for in the tax returns and in the statements, and then knowing how to put it together and giving your attorney a list of the transactions that you've identified along with the proof, which is the account statements themselves. Being able to do that can get you so far in these cases because it usually isn't all that complicated if you know what to look for. Right, and as we mentioned, the Divorce Money Guide sets that all out for you, but I also want people to know, because I'm so excited and I love the title, is you have your brand new book just about to come out. It's called Find Me the Money. I love that little play on Show Me the Money. Find Me the Money, Take Control, Uncover the Truth, and Win the Money You Deserve in Your Divorce. And, and you've set this book up. I love the, the premise behind it. It tells a story. Tell us a little bit about it. It does tell a story. It tells the story of Jackie. And she left her uh, marketing career 10 years ago to become a stay-at-home mom and raise the three kids. And her husband, unbeknownst to her, was having an affair. They're now getting divorced. And she is wading through all the emotions of that and also trying to figure out what has happened with their family's money. Is there any missing money? Has he been spending money on this affair? What's been going on? So that's the story in the book. I love it. So you get to follow Jackie's, I'll call it an adventure in finding the money. Um, if that resonates for any of you out there, listeners, you can get the book on Amazon. There'll be a link in the show notes and it will also be, I think it's linked on your website, Tracy. Sure. My website is fraudcoach.com because I am your fraud coach throughout your divorce. And I've got a landing page for your listeners that's set up. It's fraudcoach.com forward slash beyond, like divorce and beyond. So on that page, they'll see the book. They'll see the divorce money guide. I've got a red flag assessment there. If you've seen some concerning signs in your marriage, but you don't know if you should be worried about what's happening with the money, you just take the assessment, take you a few minutes to take it. And I'll let you know if you should be worried or not. 
Hopefully not, but if you do need to be worried, clearly Tracy has lots of different ways for you to then take the next steps. So I I love these tips for my listeners, Tracy. As always, what you have to say is, in this case, literal pure gold, because it, it, it translates to dollars and cents for people. Really appreciate for what you've done to empower people around finances and divorce, because we know that fear around financial insecurity is probably the number one thing that people face when they're going into divorce. And especially for the spouse who has not been actively involved in the finances or has not been the breadwinner, it is it is almost debilitating for people and what you've done in all these different ways, the book, the program, your podcasts, your work, you know, your daily work of, of for, uh, forensic accounting is really empowering people um, from a place that they, I, they think there is no help. So I, I so appreciate all that you're doing. Well, thank you so much for having me. I, you're right. I do want to empower people. I want them to be able to have better financial outcomes in their divorces. And so it's all about being educated. And, you know, you're one of those great educators in the divorce space. And so mutual admiration society here. Well, I'm so happy we could bring this out to people. Everything's going to be in the show notes, everyone. You'll have links to um, Tracy's website, to the uh, landing page for our Beyond listeners, Divorce and Beyond listeners, to the brand new book, to the Divorce Money Guide, and to Tracy. So thank you so much for joining us again, Tracy. Thanks, Susan. you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond.